This is Ross Payton here with Royal Playing Public Radio. This is episode 29, the time of judgment. And, of course, with me here, as always, is Mr. Tom Church. Okay, right. Ross, I, I have to wonder, what the hell was that? Starting at the about the episode number and the name and then introducing me, that wasn't announcer voice. That was fucked up, weird, something else voice. Well, Tom, I could do this. Uh, I could do do it again if you'd like me. Well, to. at least that voice sounds human. What the hell was that <laughs> other one, man? I don't know. It's damn. Uh, I blame it on you, Tom. Well, as you should. Yeah, everything is my fault. Right. I you totally threw me off my mojo. Oh for yeah. Some reason. Well, here I put your mojo back now. No, I, I don't want you putting anything back. <laughs> that's uh, all right. Uh, yeah, Innuendo. Yeah, I know it's horrible. Um, anyways, we have a uh, pretty fill uh, episode today. We've got a lot of different stuff. Uh, we're going to be doing some reviews of new RPGs and uh, also talking reviewing some bad judging some bad GMing habits. So it's a, a little hodgepodge, a little uh, a little bit of this, a little topics. bit of that. Yeah. So um, layers upon layers. Exactly, and uh, of course we're using, this first episode we're using a new piece of audio equipment, a com- Behringer uh, Composer Pro XL Audio Interactive I'm only Dynamics Processor thing. Model oh, man. It, MDX 2600. Uh, it just looks high tech. It is, it's got a lot of dials and knobs or pots. And lights, call. there are lights and lights that, thing. that I'm... God. Damn, look at those lights, man. I just set it to auto and I hope it's improving the quality <laughs> somehow. I forgot to a god in the machine ross yeah exactly a god in the machine i just hope it's worth the uh, money i paid for so um, anyways <laughs> we uh first we have a couple of little uh, uh business to talk uh, well not really business but you know uh, off topic shit yeah, well no it's on topic it's on topic. oh it's, it's on just topic. not related to the main so, topic fine so. okay well yeah. Can just proceed. Uh, first thing, we have new forums for Roleplaying Public Radio. They are using brand new forum software called Simple Machines Forum, SMF. And there's a dice roller on it. So if you want to do a play-by-post game, you can roll dice on it. You can totally freaking do uh, that. I'm actually starting up a play-by-post game. I'm still recruiting for it. It is a Lawn Orkdom special villager unit-themed uh, game using Rhesus. A very light RPG. Um, so if you're interested in trying out a play-by-post game or posting about internets, or uh, RPGs or the funniest videos. Uh, two threads we've already posted. Uh, uh, one is uh, I've written up some material for a dark superhero game inspired by The Watchmen. Once I saw the movie, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to have to run Yeah, it's like my group. Yeah, shit, got to yeah, do it. Yeah, got to do it. So I'll uh, link they... up in the show notes. Uh, check it out. It is they never quite... forgive you if you didn't. Yeah, exactly. And also we have a thread on bad GMing habits, uh, which is we'll go goes more into to that later. Yeah, more to that later. So go ahead, uh, stop by, register, say hi, and talk about all kinds hey, of... Hey, if you're lucky, we might even respond to you. Or I will. You. I've registered to the damn forums, Ross. You haven't posted, though, so... Uh, I'm busy. Yes. Doing uh, other things. I, I realize that, so... You think you're better than me? Um, somewhat, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was just I'm curious. published. I'm a published writer. You aren't. Ross, what... Did you have to bring that up? I guess, because uh, you won't. You won't write. Ooh, yeah, I went there. I went there. You wounded me. I know. Um, <laughs> speaking of writing, uh, I know some... You know, I've been talking in the last couple episodes about Tides of Doom, a D&D 4th adventure, <laughs> adventure. Fourth edition adventure that I wrote. Uh, Annunciate. Yes, I wrote it actually last year, a year from this month, March 2008. And I... 
had a lot of material cut from it. There was uh, there's a lot of stuff about the cult attacking the characters in the village. There's a vigilante hunting hunting the cultist. All kinds of a uh, fun stuff. So it just wasn't fun enough. Well, I it was an anthology. I could see why they cut it. I mean, well, it's, it's their property now, isn't it? However, they have given me they have given me permission to post it. So there will be a PDF attached to this episode uh, about. Uh, with this cut material, so and it's also going to be posted on Whoa, the site, obviously. Director's cut. Yes, so uh, it doesn't. It won't have any stats. You'll have to have uh, Tides of Doom in order to run to use this material, or well, I mean, you could still read it. Uh, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so uh, check that out, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, let's see here. What else? Oh, my movie is finally out. Well, your father's movie that well, you directed and you know edited. Edited and did most of the producing and advertising. Yeah, so more of mine. But I yeah, was, he wrote it. He wrote yes. it. I and was the umbrella wrangler. Yes, um, this is a movie called Motorhome from Hell. We'll have a trailer up in the tra- show notes. This is a um, my first real video project, and yeah, it's, it's been going on yeah a while. Well, we started shooting in 2004, to be honest, and then shooting all most of the footage took a year. Uh, and then editing it took another year, and then I just um, re-editing then it, died it took another while. year. Well, honestly, it's just been a lot. Doing and editing an entire feature film by yourself is uh, very, very time-consuming. Yeah. So, and I cannot say that I did any of that. I can say that I did suffer for that movie. Yes. I stood there holding an umbrella over the camera for your father as yeah. he shot, with him having his cigar right in my face. Yes, poor Tom. Yeah. And just so you know, uh, we have the DVDs. We will have them for sale. So uh, normally we're going to be selling for 20 bucks on Amazon. But for you, our PPR listeners, those on the internet, can buy them directly from me for twelve fifty. And why should you buy them? Well, if you mention you're an RPPR listener, I will include an RPPR postcard, which has uh, Great. bonus. Just fantastic artwork on it. Yes. So you get that for free just by mentioning it. But if you want more, uh, for $3, we will give you a personal, unique message, possibly a gaming haiku. And we will both autograph it, uh, the postcard. and Because and we're will, famous, and yeah. obviously our, our autographs mean something. Yes, exactly. So that's something to check out. And uh, for $10, we will have a mystery grab bag. We'll throw in a couple of uh, spare character she- uh, sheets, characters from other games. Odds and ends we happen out, to have lying around. Notes that I've handwritten. Um, and if you have something in particular you wanted, uh, we could, we could figure something yeah. out. So we may even include a D four. We actually stuck to our foreheads and had to stay there by the perspiration or yeah. I Tom will do said. it. Fine. I will do that. Tom, yeah. What Tom You said. want that. So, Trust me. Uh, that's a collectible. Well, uh, the, the website for motorhome from hell is rifflepictures.com and, uh, there's a, there's a PayPal little shopping cart thing. And in your checkout message, just mention you're an RPPR listener and what you want, and uh, I'll get you taken care of. So He'll hook you up. Yes. And also, there's posters of the movie, if you so care to check those out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was beautiful, Ross. It was. I'm just a take a, take a Just take a breath. Breathe. Just, yeah. Yeah. So That's success is what that is. Exactly. Exactly. So, um let us uh, uh, oh, now one other thing though the new world campaign I know you've been talking I mentioned in the last episode the new world campaign uh, on a ransom model I will have that set up with the show notes for this and it is uh, going to be set up a ransom for 
one month, $400 to write the campaign primer. Now, this won't have everything in the uh, campaign, but this will have enough to start out a campaign in the new world. Uh, It'll have the basics. Notes. Uh, well, I'll have a whole write-up. It has an introductory adventure, five new monsters, new feats. Uh, the Gripply is a playable race. Um, a lot of good stuff, both as a player and as a GM. So, And uh, we're hoping to get some artwork from my friend Andy in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it'll have artwork. It here. will have images. Imagery. So you can actually, wait, are there pictures in this book? And we can say, yes, there are. Well, it's a PDF, so, yeah. Mother of God. So if you want to see the New World campaign uh, uh, in PDF form as a free PDF, uh, contribute to the Ransom model, get your friends to, even if you... Uh, uh, it's new, free, 4th edition, 4th uh, edition material, D&D material, written by me for you. So contribute to the goodness or whatever. And you'll know that even as you donate, you're not only getting a free PDF, you're donating to this podcast well, really, and that to me, is I'm beautiful. Writing it, and you're 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 not doing any work, so you don't. Know, well, you haven't offered me to do anything. Well, I've looked at your published track record, and uh, I just don't feel that. Suck my ass, Ross. <laughs> just suck my ass. Okay. How's so that Green Ronin proposal for your Mutants and Masterminds scenario? Shall we move on? <laughs> God damn it! Uh, Every day. Yeah. So why don't we uh, first? Um, Take a do some of these reviews. So oh, yes, um, let's commence. Let us commence the reviews. All right. Uh, first up, we have a the assemblage of the crystal sphere. It's a D and D mockumentary, and this is uh, something that was sent to us as a review copy. And basically, it's a comedy. I mentioned it in a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I think episode twenty seven. Uh, this or twenty six. I don't know that is basically following a D&D group as it's completing like a several year long campaign like two or three yeah, years five years five years I'm five sorry. years uh, it's been a couple months since I've seen it so as Tom took a long time to actually watch it so this is sort of like a this is Spinal Tap kind of format but it's, uh, it's like an actual documentary yeah like I said mockumentary like a, a fake documentary yeah. so the idea is uh, to follow these players as they're talking about the culmination of this five-year campaign. Yeah, uh, some their, things their origin, from the actual game. Their yeah. origins as a group. and Yeah, who they are in real life and uh, things like that. So, uh, Tom, you saw it most recently, so why don't you talk a little first? Well, I, I have to say that I didn't quite know what to expect from it because I've seen a lot of mockumentaries about gamers that just get really stupid. Well, I, I, I don't know if mockumentaries. I, I've seen comedy well, movies. Com- like com- well, comedy movies. Compilations of gaming. Is what, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't even call them movies. Really? Yeah, so, well, some of them I've seen. Okay. Like, The Gamers, I would consider a comedy movie. Yeah, exactly. And The Gamers, too, is a comedy movie. Yeah, but what I liked about this one mostly is it wasn't as stupid zany. Right. I mean, they were shooting it like a real group would. Like, they were really making a documentary about this. Which, you know, I, it seemed to, it worked well for me because I was, I guess, kind of expecting another, like, oh, a bunch of stupid bullshit, you know. Like, oh my God, like, oh my God, look how much we're losers. We have no life. No, they avoided a lot of that. I mean, you know, they, they of course, they had their nerd cred going still. They mentioned a lot of, you know, obscure facts about certain movies. I think so. I, I believe that this was an actual gaming group doing a documentary about their campaign. 
Okay. I'm, uh, that's one thing I'm, they pulled off pretty well. That no, okay. I bought this. Okay. So you, it was, it had that uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, this. Right. So like, I, I was like, now like, I accept this. This like, okay. you know, that I was. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. Just getting me to right, go right, like, right, right. All right, I believe this. Okay. So you believe this, but was it is it was it worth watching? Watching. Well, you almost kind of have to be into documentaries to do to uh kind of you know watch it and like it i think yeah uh because it's it's shot so well that you it's like you really are watching a documentary and if you're not into documentaries you're gonna watch it and you're probably gonna get kind of bored yeah because you're probably gonna be waiting for the comedy to come that yeah doesn't it doesn't really come yeah yeah there i mean there are some funny moments in it it's just uh i think the other one i think it was paul it's like it's like it's like i hate wizards of the coast yeah that that kind of shit that's it's good but it's not yeah, it could have used a tighter editing, I think. Um, it, it, I felt sort of similar to you. It, it's just there's these long spe- spells where they're they're sort of immersing into the characters and getting into the game and things like that. And it's just watching people game and talk about it, and which it, I guess is it. Yeah, it's it's probably I guess it's probably you know pretty typical group. But then again, with us, it's when we do an actual play. That's kind of what that was. We're more like ah, ah fuck fuck ah, ah god damn. Well, no, well, well, I, yeah. Well, I well, know. also, and well, we and we scream about you know frog snatch and things yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, classy stuff, Tom. No, but uh, I'll say, no, I'll say this for that if for that group they were keeping it together. Yeah. More than we do. Right. Well. Or keeping on top. Yeah, I I think it's if you're a gamer, it, it it's better than most of the gaming comedy movies out there, but. Um, unfortunately, the gaming companies movie that are out there, very low threshold. Yeah, the uh, the bar is set. The bar is set ridiculously. I low. mean, there's the gamers, and then there's the gamers too. And which you know, I was so shocked when I saw those. Like, wow, that's good. Yeah, especially the first gamers. Yeah. So, uh, but both of them are really good. Well, I'm also I'm really glad in this one that they avoided dressing up as their their characters in the actual game. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think the biggest problem with it is it's just it needs to be tighter edited, and I think it, it should have, um, like if you watch a, a Stephen Guest uh, documentary, mockumentary, you know this is Spinal Tap. He has meticulous, best in show. yeah, best in show. He has incredible editing, incredible timing, and these people just don't have that. Lo- I mean, it's unfair to compare these guys yeah, to yeah. them because those are those are professional actors, comedians at the top of their game, and, and professional editors. And- yeah, and. That, that that but I mean people are going to compare them to that because they're going it's to the same sort of yeah. So it's it's a worthy effort, and I think it's worth watching if you're really into D and D gaming comedy. Uh, I mean, if that's your thing, if gaming comedy is the funniest thing to you, I think you'll enjoy it. But if you're just not that much into gaming comedy or gaming comedy movies or that sort of thing, uh, it's probably it's it's, it's going to be a it's something of a hard watch. Some yeah, yeah. So, if, if you're not into it. So yeah, it's um, worth watching. So. All right, and well, up and up next, we're I'll be, I will be reviewing Cthulhu Tech. Right. It's well, best way to put it is Call of Cthulhu Mick meets anime. That's the best way I can put it. It's 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 you know Call of Cthulhu except it's in like two thousand you know late twenty first century where we're we're fighting off the mythos with. I thought it was further in the future. Might it might be I. But it's well, future. Mean, you're the one who read it, so. Mm-hmm. But you don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's. 
I'm, okay. pretty, I'm pretty sure it's Dan Ross. Okay, go ahead. Go on. Whatever. It's like the future, all right? Okay, the future. God, just Capital nitpick, letters. nitpick. Okay. But it's, we're fighting off the mythos with giant robots, kind of Giver-like bi, you know, bio suits, and advanced technology. It's, you know, not exactly post-apocalyptic, but, you know, shit's destroyed and population's down to like two and a half billion. How is that not after an apocalypse? Because society's still functioning. You can still have a society. Not full on, like not full on Mad Max post-apocalyptic. Okay, that's not the only type of post-apocalyptic. Was there an apocalypse? I mean, how did those three and a half billion people die? It was prolonged. It wasn't a sudden thing. <laughs> well, so was World War Two. That doesn't mean it wasn't bad. I mean, I didn't say it wasn't bad. I would call it an apocalypse after an apocalypse. Fine, Ross will call it an apocalypse. I will call it shit happens. <laughs> okay. To me, an apocalypse is where all of society completely breaks down as well. Okay, so, all right, to the future, bad stuff is happening. Yeah, and we're fighting, and we're basically using anime weapons to fight off the mythos. By anime weapons, you mean giant robots. Yeah, and also, if you're familiar with the Giver, yeah. like bio-battle suits. Biomechanical battle suits. Yes. And, uh, insanity, you know, it's, I guess, and I, I guess the core of this finally just comes down to, do you like having the mythos be actually hopeful that you can defeat it. Okay, so that that really is embedded in it. Yeah, it's I, I could, yeah, it's saying that you know humanity now has a chance that we're no longer just the insignificant specks in the cosmos with our technology, and now we're learning about magic as a mm-hmm. society. We're apparently slowly advancing to the point where we could actually be part of the universe as opposed to just I see. Fl- a fly speck on the map. Does. Does is there a theme about like because we become more powerful in that sense we become less human? Yeah, that that yeah there is there is that. Uh, sanity is not quite. I mean, there are sanity points, but it's not quite as all pervasive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you still do the normal shit in the in the mythos. You know, use magic too much, you'll go crazy. You mm-hmm. see horrific enough shit, you'll go crazy. But it's it's not all pervasive. It's not as all pervasive as it once was. I see. And I guess. Whether or not you like this is how much of a purist you are at Call of Cthulhu. If okay. you if if you're if you're really sold into the twenties and you know and even Delta Green, still a, still a frail human, just investigating the shit. You're, we're, we're not investigating anymore, right? You know, it's the general public knows about it. Everyone knows about it. Okay, so. If you want the mythos to be defeated, I guess is this is the game for you. I, I'm pretty sure my group who don't like the idea of encountering horrors they can't do anything about, this would probably be the perfect game for them. Like, oh, so now we do, we have the means to fight them off. I see. Um, but you, did you look anything into the system? Like, how difficult is it? How complex does it look? Did you it's, make a it's, character? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's point-based. I haven't made a character in it. Okay. I really want to hold off reviewing the system until I actually play it and or run fair it. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we'll do a follow-up. But it's, it's a point-based system, uh, less stats, and... Uh, Skills are based on professions again. It's just done in a different way. Okay. Uh, so really, you know, really, all I can really comment much on is the setting itself because that's a huge part of it. Right. Right. And you know, there's the two playable races. The, there's the human and the alien, and the alien, uh, the aliens that the uh, Migu have created. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, like you know, there's factions like you know the Esoteric Order of Dagon. It's now a worldwide faction Ooh, they're bad they are they're so bad so bad okay uh any uh last words 
So, I so would, you'd recommend getting it if you're. I'd recommend getting, especially you know, if you like the mythos, but don't you don't have to you know absolutely just have it as a pure the pure way it is. I think you'd probably enjoy this. It'd be kind of nice to actually play a game where you're not helpless against them. <laughs> or okay. or actually, people may you you may actually hate that too. Yeah, no, there's a lot of Lovecraftian purists who uh, would be that's missing the they would say it's missing the point of the right. Cthulhu mythos to, to have be able to I mean that's the whole Yeah, point. and there's some they there's some new monsters they've made up. They've revisited some old ones. Right. And you know, they don't even give the stats for Cthulhu though. They really say he's still the one like you're not supposed to fight him. I see. Interesting. All right. Um Okay, uh, the next game is Paranoia XP. Uh, yeah, I, play, I, I played that years ago. Uh, well, it probably wasn't the XP edition. Probably this not. It's a new yeah. edition. Uh, it's, you know, the basic premise of Paranoia, it's in the future. Kind Ooh. of a dystopian thing? This very dystopian. Uh, the computer is no knows everything, and the computer is your friend, and the computer will execute you for treason for being a commie mutant traitor. Uh, oh, it's, so and it's, there's many ways to be a comedy. So it's big. Trade. It's Big Brother Hell. Yeah, something like that. But it's a comedy game. You know, happiness is mandatory, or you will be executed. Yeah, I, I. The only thing I remember, I remember this one picture of from. I think it's probably the book you were running from, not mm-hmm. XP, but everyone having these you know ridiculously over exaggerated grins, walking by a security guy in armor who's right. just he was glaring at them. Right. Exactly. And that's sort of the point. Now, uh, the basic. Paranoia has been around in RPGs for a long time, so if you're not familiar with it, uh, as a player, you're playing a clone who's just been promoted to troubleshooter. Troubleshooters are, of course, the adventuring class of uh, Alpha Complex 1, which is the complex that you're in. And you, you, you solve com- problems for the computer. Now, death is something that's almost certainly going to happen to your character sooner or later, but you have clones that will appear through teleportation or being shot through a cannon <laughs> or any number of ways uh who will appear in uh as soon as your you know clone one dies then clone two shows up that's right. just how it works so it's almost better than resurrection um but you only get so many clones now you almost have a live set. right right now the way paranoia xp works now is that there are three modes for it there's sort of a serious mode where you can run it as a straight-up sort of dystopian sci-fi adventure. Uh, you can do it as sort of the classic, or you can do it as sort of the new version. In the cl- or not the classic, but the sort of crazy, wacky XP one, or sort of a moderate... The Looney Tunes version. Yeah, exactly. Or just do the moderate kind of standard paranoia. And there are options for doing all of this. Now, I like the premise of it. I think the problem with me is that, one, it's going to be hard to get my players to play it, um, because a lot of, I mean, I could probably do this in one shot, but a lot of you guys I know aren't that fun, fun, just doesn't seem, some people are really into it. Some people really aren't into it. Right. I mean, it's one thing to go into a serious game and joke around, but to go into a comedy system and then joke around even more is just like, it's, it's, it's inviting a clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, and the next thing is that the, I like all the stuff that's in the game. It's just the way it's laid out. It, the, I don't know what it is, but using that sans-serif font, that sort of aerial kind of thing, just the way the book is laid out, it's hard to find things, and it's just kind of ugly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got this layout left over, this classic layout left over from the 80s. It's just like, yeah, I don't really... I mean, I guess they had to please the old school players, but um, I really reason, don't like the way There's a reason the book, things change. Yeah, I don't really like the way the book is laid out, so... 
Of course, I mean, that's a minor thing, though. But, again, like, the system, I can't really comment on it. I've read it, and I, I sort of understand it, but you don't really understand a system until you've run it or played it. Right, and I know it's, I know it's like, heresy for us to review games we haven't played or run. Right. Well, we'll have actual plays of them sooner or yeah. later. We'll, we'll rev- I, I will revise my review of Cthulhu Tech after I have run and or played it. Right. So, I would recommend if you think your players can get into this. I think, you know, if you can get them to run a comedy game, uh, then give them a Paranoia XP, especially if they aren't familiar with it. Because I think Paranoia XP has the same problem that Call of Cthulhu does in a way. And that's sort of like it has such a reputation that a lot of players are just automatically turned off by it. That Like, oh, Call of Cthulhu, oh, tissue paper characters, eh. and, and Paranoia like, oh, XP. Like, oh, boy, uh, like, oh, boy, meat puppet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think they both suffer from this kind of uh, perception. So I will run it sooner or later, and I will have more to say about it. But overall, I think it's worth buying if you're running any type of science fiction game because there's a lot of material you could do for Like, you could have Alpha Complex 1 in a serious game as a dystopia. You know, run a Fallout game, and that that happens to be one of the Mm. vaults where there's a rogue AI, and there are these, you know, every type of person is categorized by their by the color but it's not like skin color it's like spectrum like infrareds are the lowest ones then there's the red and then they work all the way up to ultraviolet ultraviolet are the highest ranking people in the in mm. the thing and so i think it's something to look into but yeah. it's not going to be a really good buy unless you you think you can get something out of it i think so right i've also and, yeah, i've also ordered another one of the uh, cthulhu tech books yeah and i'll give a look see i'll give a review of that what, uh, which it. one do you know what it's called uh it's kind of a i think it's like a latin term okay <laughs> I, honest, honest, cthulhu honestly, tech, a latin term All or right. i could be totally fucking wrong i could just be a total ignorant dumbass which ross will back me up on that yeah Nice. Thank you, Ross. But no, I for the life of me, it's it's not like uh, it's like Cthulhu Tech, you know, Secret Origins or something, something you can remember. Yeah, true. But you know, it's it's one that I actually got just looking up. I was actually just looking for pictures of uh, ghouls from Lovecraft. Okay. That I, I was gonna you know, I was gonna do for uh, trying to get my other group to play Call of Cthulhu. Right. So I was downloading you know, you know pictures of monsters and c- character sheets and. I came across this one when it said, you know, it says the the, the new ghoul character play uh, character race. Okay, that that sold me right there. And yeah, as the last game we did should probably tell you. Yeah, I, I ran a Call of Cthulhu crazy Call of Cthulhu one shot for Pat uh, two friends who came into town last weekend, and uh, Tom and Jason, and it was a very like Call of Cthulhu with the cheat codes enabled. So is how or I'll a game genie you being yeah. used. Um, yeah, where they had access to all kinds of mythos, sorcery, and weapons, and crazy stuff. And But anyways, enough of that. So so overall, Assemblage with Crystal Fear is for people who are really into gaming comedy. And if you're really into gaming comedy, I'd recommend it. Otherwise, it's... Uh, a little slow. Yeah. So, um, But still, it's a lot better than most gaming comedies. Have yeah, been. actually, it's, it's it has achieved not- you know, notoriety just because it doesn't suck as bad as most. Yeah. Uh, Cthulhu Tech, you would recommend... I it's yeah it's not it's not it's not your grandma's Call of Cthulhu yeah um, Paranoia XP I would recommend if you are if you're into comedy games if it, it's a really great comedy game still um, I'm not so sure about the serious mode that it's touting now in XP mode um, 
but definitely as a comedy and as a resource for sci-fi games because mm. I think you could run use Paranoia XP as a as an adventure for, for most any of, for, for any, any sci-fi, sci-fi system. yeah right or most sci-fi systems so uh, that's something to think about at least anyway uh, so oh we also uh, would like to do before we go to Tom's letter we do it we. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier the uh, we'd like to review some GMing habits. It sounds a little weird, but I read a little while ago, and I mentioned this in the thread on RPPR forums. I read this thread on Ian World where it's talking about, oh, is this a problem? And basically the guy described how he was running a D&D game, and the players went down this water tube, you know, trying to find a secret way into the it was like a, It was like a waste slurry kind of yeah, thing, Yeah, it was right? a sewage tube. What would you call it? A sewage Well, actually... It's a, a water tube. Well, That's it, it was a, a, a mining di- refuse right. disposal system. Yeah. I, I read the, th- read the yeah. thread. Um, they go down it, and it turns out to be locked, so it turns out to be a dead end. And the one guy says, well, if I was running it... I would have made it a very interesting adventure. I would have put things into it, blah, 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 blah. Sort of using what we would call the Schrodinger's Dungeon principle, which is the dungeon happens to be wherever the players go. Mm-hmm. Um, then there, then there's the other school. The player guy who actually ran the game said, no, the world is what it is, and if the players go down the wrong choice, then they waste their time. So, But my point from it was not either one. It's that... The GM could have run it either way. He could have just said it was a dead end or made it an adventure. But if he was going to make it a dead end, he should have done it quickly. Like, the problem I see, the the worst GMing habit I know of that all bad GMs have and all the good ones, and the good ones usually don't have, is wasting players time like if you're a bad gm you'll waste everyone's time and i've done that i've done that in my early days believe me um i think every gm does it sooner or later and that's where you know it's a waste of time but you keep at like if you're having them go down this pipe this tube and you keep making them ask to make skill checks you know stealth Mm -hmm. checks uh no you know like uh, spot spot hidden yeah, yeah spot checks uh climbing checks whatever and it takes you like an hour to do this in play time not game time in play time like an hour to go down you know a thousand feet of this this empty tunnel or whatever you've wasted a third or a quarter of that whole yeah session. or well depending if you're hardcore Lovely. gamers mm-hmm. you could play eight hours but still that's not you shouldn't have those kind of dead spaces where nothing's going on and everyone's just bored it's like okay I'll make that's, like skill dead, check. that's like dead air on the radio yeah and that's the big problem so if you're running a game I hate play, I hate being in games where the GM just keeps rolling random encounter tables or random tables to see, okay, it's day one, okay, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happens, everyone make a skill check. Day two, nothing happens, blah, 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 blah. You should do this in five minutes or less. If it's boring, you should uh, cut to it. So Yeah, glaze, like gloss over it and move on. Yes. Those who have that habit, if you're running a game where – there's a long period of time, like half an hour or more, where nothing really interesting happens, and everyone's bored, and there's just nothing. You you should really, really evaluate your game. You, you're a horrible, horrible person, and I cannot wish enough bad things to you if you're running this sort of game. And Ross really does. He wants bad things to happen to you. Yes. If so only you could see his face Because gaming now. is serious business, folks. It is serious business, and if you're running a horrible game, I will find you. I don't know. No, Frog no. snatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classy there, Tom. Anyway. Uh, so that, that that's my judgment. If you waste play everyone's time, you are a bad person. 
Mm-hmm. And a bad GM. And obviously a bad GM. So, how about you, Tom? What would you like to judge in this time of judgment? I would like to judge those GMs that feel that all of their NPCs are other players who are in a contest against the against the actual players and who must win at all costs. And who uses his unlimited GM powers to win. Okay. The, the, advers- the super adversarial. Yeah, so. there's adversarial in the good way, yeah. obviously. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ones that, like the GM, the GM says, I'm here to win, and I will do so at all costs. Mm-hmm. Everything you do is pointless and stupid. I'm talking where, just to get to yeah, get past a guard guarding a bridge, says, okay, well, I sneak around him. He says, says, it's far, it's like, you know, there's far too many things to make noise. He says, he'll spot you, he'll hear you immediately. I, I uh, okay, well, I sneak. He says, there's nothing, there's no cover. He'll see like he has he has a complete view of the whole area. All right. Well, I walk up and try to fast talk to him. He says he's immune to words. He, he says he, he says he lives only to guard that bridge. Okay. Well, I bribe him. He's far too loyal to the crown for that. Wow. And th- I'm not bullshitting you. This was an actual experience. I this had. was. And finally, he's like, well, then I I try to kill him. He's wearing plate armor and has only the best weapons. You, he he'd fell you in an instant. And finally, I believe we actually ended that with, all right, fuck it. We don't go to the bridge. We go away. He says, well, but you have to go across the bridge. No, we don't. <laughs> so I did that. So give me a little more insight. Or, uh, is this more? Uh, oh, he, well, well, he's actually the GM I'm going to mention in my letter. Okay, so this is something you'll elaborate on. Instantly. Well, him, yeah. in, in a way. But let's just say this was the person that had two uh, I think this is the GM that had two people that hung on every word he said and did everything he asked. I see. They were his toadies. Ah. And the problem was when he got two of them that did that, he expected all of his friends to treat him the same way. I see. And that didn't fly with all the rest of them. He got he got fairly lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Well, this was the not. same guy. This... this was the same guy that had a full scholarship. Uh huh. And then decided to you know throw all that away to try to join the military, and then washed out. I see. And then now I believe works in a liquor store. Great. Nice. I'm not. You know, he could be listening for all I know. And if you are, I'm sorry, but you really became a tool. Wow, I'd be willing to give you another shot if you if I ever saw you again. I'm just gonna, but the you're person gonna ha- I'm thinking of, I saw him actually at VisionCon, so I. Oh no, no, he still lives in town. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I do want to say something about adversarial GMA, and it can be good in the sense that if you're running, if you're cons- mature, consistent, and fair, and you treat it at, and let players win when they deserve to win. Um, but you try your best to have the NPCs win, then or have, you know, make it very hard, very challenging for them. Then it can be a very rewarding game if that's what everyone at the table is into. If everyone wants a hard challenge and is willing to lose, if that mm. if they aren't roll well enough or if they don't fight well enough or whatever, then that's fine. And, you know, the old school dungeon crawling where you know everyone that's where people come up with crazy plans to get over traps and use ten foot poles and rope and blah blah a goblin blah. at the end of a string yeah exactly so if you're if you you have that kind of level of skill and you you really like that then that's great but i mean if you're just being like you are my little puppets that are going to do dance exactly, for me yeah dance for me then uh 
Yeah, fuck that, man. That's just yeah. Screw yeah, that. Let's, let's say that that group co- full, just collapsed utterly. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I think it actually might have caused one of my best friends to just bail completely on all of us. Wow. I'm not going to go into details on that, but <laughs> it, drama. It's total drama. Total drama island. Wow. I know. Which I think that's a but cartoon. That's my judgment. All right. Fair enough. Um, so I think we're out of judgments for this time. Well, that we care to air. Care to judge at this time, yes. Uh, we have judged that we have none, nothing left to judge. So that the judgment stand. Yes. And so ends the time. I, yeah. It, we, we, it's late. <laughs> we suck at this. We yes, we did. No, we're, we're great. And of course, the real winners out there are our listeners. You guys are awesome. You're great. We love all of you. Yeah. Except that one Canadian guy. Motherfucker. Yeah, Mr. Eternal Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, 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 I actually didn't. Actually, know. though, we do have a super listener. Tadonori Oyama. The big time donator. So, yeah, don't forget those donations. So, next up, of course, we have a letter from Tom. We do. Um, and then we do have anecd- shout outs and anecdotes. So, both from our listeners, including Mr. Eternal Green, I think. So, we shall return. Yes. notice that some things are just bad ideas i'm talking about full-on train wreck defying all logic and common sense bad ideas of course you have you've seen them all too often in your lifetime the house on american activities committee coke 2 trickle down economics the moonwalker arcade game mighty morphin power rangers the third reich ishtar and thalidomide bad ideas that made you want to walk a tightrope made of razor wire hung over a pit full of molten shit i say this because this letter is about a really bad idea an idea of a group of social malcontents playing a Dragon Ball Z RPG. Cast your mind back. It was the late 90s, and everyone in the group I was playing in was a malformed nerd drone with the social skills of a camel spider on angel dust. Dragon Ball Z was just becoming huge, and it was only logical that a game based on it would follow. And so, like Dr. Frankenstein throwing the switch and screaming, It's alive, motherfuckers! We set out to play the game. The group consisted of myself, a quiet introvert I shall call spineless fuck, a riddle and junkie I will call dorky fuck, a morbidly obese kid I will call fat fuck, and the GM who I will call ninja wannabe Stalin fuck, thus named for the fact that he told everyone who would listen that he was a master martial artist and that he demanded unquestioning loyalty from all his friends. The premise was that we were members of the Frieza gang sent to Earth to find out what happened to Vegeta and Nappa. The other characters are unimportant. All you need to know is that I was fully involved in my Castor Troy man crush. So, of course, I was playing Castor Troy, the villain from Face Off, only he was a Namek, who had enough power to destroy a planet. Tom, shine on, you glorious fuck. The details of the game are meaningless. All you must hear is the event that made the game the stuff of shit-smelling legend. 
Ninja wannabe Stalinfuck was a control freak who didn't like to lose, even as the GM. He was controlling Goku and spent the entire game describing how invincible he was. Spineless fuck just sat there and said nothing. Dorky fuck was constantly using the same attack, screaming it out loud every time. Fat fuck just sat still, gorging on Doritos and bean dip. I decided I had enough. I immediately left the battle, pretending to flee. Ninja wannabe Stalin fuck loved it, thinking he had intimidated me. I made straight for Goku's wife, Chi-Chi's house. Ninja wannabe Stalin fuck thought I was going to kidnap her, so he liked it. When I arrived, I announced in a proud, steady voice, I rape her to death. That stopped everything. However, Ninja wannabe Stalin fuck decided to show off his intimate knowledge of Dragon Ball Z by saying, but Namics are genderless. Expecting this, my character drew the gold-plated pistols that were a constant prop for all my Caster Toy clones. I held it up, and with a look that could only be described as half-shit-eating grin and half-thousand-yard stare, I said, I rape her with the pistol. We never went back to that game again. So, the moral of this story, it is a bad idea to put me in a situation where I have boredom and contempt for the game at the same time. Someone's going to get the anally raped by a green guy holding a gold-plated Springfield Armory 45. Tom, that is uh, horrific. Yeah, that's that's horrible, Tom. You should really, really be ashamed for doing that. I mean, well, that's, I will. I expect I, better from you. And that's, I was eighteen at the time, Ross. That's not still. That's. Do you feel bad about doing that? Please. Say. I suppose now. Yeah, in retrospect, yeah, you I, should. That's. I, that's I think the game was just pissing me off so much that I. I, I is there are other ways of doing it. You commit I, they're probably, suicide. They're probably your character could commit suicide. No, Ross. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, yeah, I'm not Blackleaf. Uh, <laughs> second of no, all, Blackleaf. Yeah. yeah. Second of all, that is not what men do. <laughs> that is just that's wrong on so many levels. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But still, I thought it would be good comedy and good shit for the show, so I admitted it. Okay. Fair enough. And you listeners out there, if you wish to judge me, I will understand. I will under- understand. Yeah, I'm going to judge you, Tom. And I judge. Well, not. I don't care about you. Oh, well. The listeners out there, my yeah, name. And if you, you think that about was it on the forum, yeah. If you think that was bad, then I will accept that. Yeah, you should. Then again, if you think I was justified because the game was pissing me off and I just wanted it to end, and I was 18 and didn't know any better, and that was the first thing I thought of, then okay. Uh, but it, come on, the GM had a point. Namics are have no gender. Yeah. So yeah. I had to I had to use something. You could have just shot her. You could have just killed. I her. could have done that. Yeah. Yeah. That and ma- and maybe maybe it was the uh, you know most of a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, is this a Twinkie defense? I'm not saying it's a defense. Do you even know? What I I'm admitted I to? did it. I oh I totally admitted. I said maybe there were some extenuating circumstances. Maybe not. Yeah. Do you know what the Twinkie defense is? I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> At the same time... Do you know who Harvey Milk was? I do, Ross. Yeah. Do you know what happened to him? He was assassinated. He was assassinated. Do you know what the defense of this uh, his assassin was? Do tell. Uh, basically, among other things, his assassin was... Uh, or his killer was uh, another council member, another politician, another guy working in City Hall. 
And he said one of the reasons why he killed him was he snapped because he was under a lot of stress. And one of the reasons why he snapped was that he was eating so many Twinkies that it imbalanced his, his mind neurochemicals. So it became known as the Twinkie defense. Or um, I'm, of course, probably you should look it up on Wikipedia, which is obviously the bastion of, of true accuracy and yes. honesty. But uh, Fair and that's balanced. the basic. So when someone says a Twinkie defense, that's. You, you basically pulled a Twinkie. Noted. Defense. Yeah. So, although, to be fair, doing horrible things in an RPG is a lot better than doing them in real life. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, wh- where were we? Oh, yes, we were talking about things. So, we are, I think we, we yeah. are... In- oh, that reminds me, actually. Um, on the Something Awful, they have a traditional games discussion forum, which you... Sh- you could check out, I guess, but the RPPR firms are where it at. But anyways, they have this thread called grognerds.txt where they post the worst of the worst from every RPG forum and website on the internet. Part of it was uh, they posted people who just real neck beard Aspergers, really idiotic. You know, you know the type of nerds who just don't get basic social nuance and are just so you just have to face palm, you know. Every time they they're, say something, you're just like, "Oh God!" Like they are to nerds what nerds are to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're worst nerds. I mean, like, you know, a nerd can still be a nerd and understand basic hygiene and etiquette and so forth. Basically, and, le- and leaves the basement. They had in Grogman in this thread. They had to talk about how these neckbeard nerds, these really horrible nerds, th- were arguing that rape was somehow less bad than murder. And like, oh yes, they even like somebody created a formula saying, well, if rape does this to this person, um, then obviously, if they have less suffering mathematically than if they were murdered, then obviously it is less bad. Or I mean, I can't some even bullshit. Be- like it's it just boggles the mind how they could say, oh yes, blah blah. I mean. They, Talk about not missing the uh, talk about missing the point. So, uh-huh. um, I just thought I'd bring that up to talk. You know, I guess you, you you're in good bad. Hey, come on, too. this was this was Castro Troy as a Namek anally raping Chi-Chi with a pistol that didn't actually exist. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it existed in the and it's, and it's of not the like game. I went, it's not like like I went into gory detail. I just I announced I rape her to death with the pistol. <laughs> Uh, still. All right, we're dwelling way too long on this. You brought it up. I know I did, so I'm a horrible person too. Let's talk about some shoutouts. Oh, let's. Yeah, do let's. Uh, why don't do you have? Do you want to give, give yours first? Or yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? All right. Uh, mine's another video game, but no, it is not an obscure one. That obscure, thankfully mm. for Ross. No, this was a uh, 2005 game, Silent Hunter 4: Wolves of the Pacific, which is a uh, submarine simulator. I actually kind of think I like the third one better, but it got a lot of flack because you're, you know, controlling a U-boat, and people were saying it's it's unexcusable to play a German submarine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But in the end, it's the level of realism you can put on it is actually almost worrying at times. Yeah. How so? Well, let's just say. Well, let's me go back to to an actual kind of obscure game, Silent Service for the NES. Do you remember that one? Vaguely, yes. It. All submarine games are basically the same. Generally. Sure. Okay. I mean, they're all... But I'm trying to make a point here. Yeah. They're now, all... all you had to do is get the Bad. ship inside your little crosshairs, have it light up, and it's the torpedoes are fire and forget. That's how it should be. Of course. No, yeah, that's exactly how it should be. In this one, you can put such realism that first when you see a ship, you actually have to get its, its speed and bearing and re- actually radio that to the torpedo room. Uh-huh. 
Then it takes you to a chart where you have to use trigonometry to map out the tr- the path of the torpedo to the target. Okay. And you have to do all this without pausing the game. So if there's a t- destroyer bearing down on you and you're trying to set up a shot, you have to go through all of that. And you're saying this is fun. No, it is not. It, you can also do the easy version, which is basically just line up a ship, lock on, move your bow so it's basically pointing at the target and fire. So, okay. But it's an You option. played on the easy easy version. I tried it on the normal, on the uh-huh. hard, on the most realistic mode yeah. for about an hour. And even even I was like, I have a pretty high tolerance for realistic uh, no, you simulators. Oh. Simulators. Uh-huh. And after an hour, like, I'm done. Uh, it's time to go easy. Okay. But I I love simulators. Like, flight simulators, war simulators, love them. Love them, love them, love them. And this one is one that, on the easy mode, pleased me. I see. Well, that's fascinating. It, it really isn't. It really isn't for you. <laughs> I can't believe trigonometry in a game, and that's supposed to be. Well, yeah, some people are just weird. Grog nerds. Grognards. Yes, I know. Grognards. I like I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it. You can. Uh, my game my shout out is for a video game a computer game called Mountain game? Blade. I think I've talked about I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before on the show, uh, or gave it a shout out. Now it's up to version one And last weekend, Gamersgate, a website where you can buy and download video games, uh, had a sale where it was seventy percent off. So it was like eight dollars. And I was like, Why, yes, I will buy this video game. Thank you, company. Um Basically, Mountain Blade, it's a medieval sort of warband kind of game where you, you start as a normal dude. There's no magic in it in the base game, uh, but you can be, you know, pick your skills like horse archery or leadership or prisoner management. Um, every point in prisoner management lets you capture up to five people, um, and then you can sell them to the ransom broker for money, just so you know, or surgery. or It's wound. not slavery. Yeah. Well, basically, the ransom broker says, uh, uh, well, I'll try and ransom ransom them to their families first but if i don't get any money from them then it's to the salt mines with them okay so capturing slaves is okay but but this is violating one woman with a pistol (laughs) this is the medieval middle ages this was historically accurate this was anime ross (laughs) you're lucky i didn't make a tentacled thing yeah that's true so in mountain blade you basically um you know, you fight little band groups of bandits at first. You recruit some peasants, some, you know, dirt farmers who want to fight for you. And then you train them up. They become better. And you become better. And then you get your war band gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you got, like, 50, 50 armored knights riding in your posse. You roll up to the enemies. You, they uh, be fronting. And then you uh, Damn, step bitch. up. Yeah, exactly. All right. And uh, so it's ridiculously fun, especially when you get a horse and a uh a lance so you can use jousting and just you know basically all i do is get on the horse go ha ha I'll, i get one enemy run through their ranks turn around get another one and it's fun because they're pretty stupid and they can't hit me that well well unless they they do and they kill me but you know <laughs> yeah it's 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 one of those games that i've been playing that's like oh where did three hours go so i should have eaten dinner yeah and it has lots and lots of mods um star trek star wars uh lord of the rings i haven't tried any of them yet i'm just doing the base game first ross is a purist yeah no it's just i haven't had time to find the thing about mods that i don't like is that it's so it can be really hard to find the good ones and not waste your time with the crap ones 
you know? Because every game that has modding capability, people re- re- release like 5,000 mods for it, and 99% of them are crap. I mean, it's like, Goku, awesome, Thug Rockstar, all right, here's my unbalanced game that is a piece of shit and it doesn't work, and blah, 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 blah. And here's the Sword of Omens yeah, from Thundercats, if I may insult Aaron for a second. Yeah, exactly. Crap like that. Total crap like that. And so... Yeah. And all, or that they're not balanced well, or it's just not as fun to play as the base game. So, for me, it's like spending the time to find the good mods. I'm not bored with the main game yet, so why waste spend time looking for something that might be better than the base game? Does that make sense? Yeah, don't fix something that isn't broke yet. Yeah, exactly. So when I get bored of the base game, then I'll try it out. Uh, I do have one last uh, shout out, and this is to a rather obscure movie, a western noir. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yes. May 1993. It's called Red Red Rock West, and it stars Nicolas Cage, who is actually does a really good job in it um, as a drifter who gets bartender gives him a job, but he finds out the bartender mistook him for a hitman that he hired to kill his wife. Yeah. So Nicolas Cage is like, "Yeah, I'll take the job," and the guy gives him five thousand grand. I want you to kill my wife. He's like, "Oh, uh, okay," and it goes on from there, and it's. Dennis Hopper shows up later on as the real hitman, and um, it's it's a really solidly well built noir movie. Uh, it's set out west in uh, Wyoming or something like that. Really, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's it it would be great for a little uh, just Dennis Hopper's character would be good as to base any sort of hitman crazy hitman. It's like a hitman with really low self esteem. Which is great. It's like, what, you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? And, you know, while he's holding everyone at gunpoint and forcing them to drive where the loot is or whatever. Right. And it's just, I want to buy, like, the hitman picks him up at first and is like, I doesn't know who Nicolas Cage is. Like, I want to buy you a drink. We're both Marines. Blah, 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 blah. And I'll probably spoil little bits of it. But whatever. It's great. The self, hitman with low self-esteem is great. The two, the husband and the wife are great. It's all, it's a, it's a very well-constructed movie. So Nicholas Cage, more importantly, is acting well. Yeah, he doesn't overact. He just plays it kind of straight. He's kind of just like an ex-soldier, kind of drifter, looking for work kind of guy. And he doesn't go nuts with it. And he had, had good direction in it. So um, see it for nothing else. Go Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Um, I mean, along with Ray. I mean, Nicholas Cage can be a good actor. Leaving just, Las Vegas. Just don't uh, watch next. Raising Arizona. Red Rock West. They're all named after places. So if he's in a movie named after a place... That was made, yeah. There's, yeah, come up with the rules. Don't watch next. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Well, don't even even watching the riff tracks version of that. Yeah. it was hard to watch. I haven't seen any good Nicolas Cage movies in the last couple of years. I don't think he's made any in the last couple of years, to be honest. So no, I, I, I like Ghost Rider every time actual Ghost Rider was in it. Every yeah. time he was in it, like oh, I come didn't on. see it. You're not missing much. Yeah, exactly. But of course, lastly but not leastly. Least, <laughs> Thank, you're tired, Ross. I know. Um, we do have an anecdote, and this is from Eternal Green, uh, ah, Canadian guy that I just made fun of earlier. Hi there, Alex. We uh, we, we, we hate you so much. We're going to read your anecdote. Yes. Now. Hey, Ross, and the other guy, Tim, or something. I've got a problem with like your point of view on how to solve said problem. He mispronounced my name. He did. He mistyped it, or deliberately, son, probably. Son of a bitch. Uh, one of the guys I play with and GM for, well, for lack of a better term, camps a lot. He doesn't set up a tent 
and sleep in the woods. No. He stays at a fucking spot and any with any long-ranged weapon he can find and waits for the enemy to come out. That wouldn't be a problem, except he always does that. He put that in all caps, so that's oh, important. Okay, he always. got it. Uh, all right. Uh, when he's forced to go into a place, he'll use the most ridiculous precautions regarding... Uh, regardless the situation calls for it or not. Let me give you an example. Please do. I was running a game not too long ago using a homebrew system. System makes the players more vulnerable but far from useless. They just have to use their brains when it comes to combat as they have very low HP. The setting is a modern time as there is a new form of disease spreading across the continent. I thought it would be interesting to have a game happening at the moment of the epidemic but before the actual apocalypse. The players, of course, know that I've mentioned this disease uh, for a reason, and that they'll have a real problem on their hands eventually. But for now, the disease is as worrisome as uh, bird flu or SARS, and they're just people with regular jobs on the wrong street at the wrong moment. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So right off, some random guy falls unconscious on the sidewalk and starts trembling heavily. They're thinking zombification. Uh, but it's just a red herring. As uh, good citizens, they call an ambulance and tend to the guy, although... Wary. I had to remind them that they probably wouldn't make any connections with the disease and that he just looks like he's epileptic or something. The ambulance comes and when uh, then that's then where there's a car crash. Uh, while the other players run to check the, it out, the car crash, Mr. Camper runs to the car and tries to hotwire it. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And his logical explanation was that he'd use it to run over the mutant. One of the other players was a cop, which made the whole thing even more retarded as he'd just get arrested for being a fucking psycho and get (laughs) shipped into an insane asylum. Of course, a a mutated, enraged human comes out of one of the vehicles and attacks one of the players, and one of them smashes his head with a pole. Cop calls for backup, as as logic dictates, along with Mr. Camper, and asks him for his gun. When the cop refuses, he calls the player out for being a power player because he's hoarding all the (laughs) weapons. I love this. Yeah. Oh, this is is precious. I love this. A brain tumor grew inside my cranium at that point. While the other players do their stuff and eventually get into another fight, I have to put this other player on a leash somehow, and he's not making it easy. Is there a gas station close by? Why? In case we're overrun to blow it up. <laughs> you're not going to blow up a motherfucking gas station. That's in all caps. By uh, right. yes. uh, as you see, you're just apparently one. You're just apparently one insane person. Uh, you're not in a zombie, or you see just one uh, apparently insane person. You're not in a zombie apocalypse. Fine, is there a convenience store that could be defendable around? Yes, there's right there on the map. Okay, I run to it. The ca- cashier is pretty shocked as he, see- as he sees you running into the store with your knife still in hand. Oh yeah, the knife. I <laughs> throw it in his face. <laughs> you call your older crit. Uh, well, that's just fucked up. It's not really a problem as he's usually pretty good acting in character in most games, just not in seemingly non-threatening environments. <laughs> uh, the problem becomes apparent in the game sessions where he did have a gun. Uh, the game after this first one was set much later date where the disease had turned people into mutants and wiped off most of the human race and these mutants started to kill each other off, leaving America with less than 20,000 mutants and 400,000 humans. That's not bad odds. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we don't know how dangerous mutants are. 
No, I mean, no, these these could be like super mutants, man. Probably. Uh, plus, the mutants can infect more people. Most humans lived in protected quarters, such as malls or schools, and whatever could be easily protected. And some were hunters. Hunters have the purpose to hunt the remaining mutants in the area in an orderly fashion and to gather food when needed. They were always sitting in groups of three, equipped with various weapons, all right? It was dangerous, but I figured they'd be able to fend off whatever came their way. Guns ablazing. How wrong was I to let Mr. Camper become the leader of that small group? Yeah. <laughs> their first mission was to find out what happened to a group who hasn't reported back to HQ. They knew what area they were supposed to clean up, so the job would be relatively simple. They found one of the guys mauled in a room where a dead girl was hung upside down on a hook at the back of the store. Pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Camper figured out in a second that whoever killed that guy had set up a trap. And whoever set that trap now had two more to bait the trap with. I was fine with being outwitted, but when he tracked the mutant down to a house close by that was half burnt, he just stood there. For something to happen. Guns pointing at the open door. He heard some muffled screams. So finally he went in. He got so far as the kitchen. The first room. To find a pile of rotting corpses. He was in front. So he saw a pair of glowing eyes in the dark hallway. Which he shot at immediately. Before retreating entirely from the house. The eyes didn't reappear after that. So he went to the nearest store to steal alcohol. And proceeded to set the house on fire. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a, a, a little extreme you're going to burn the house down you don't even know if the other two guys are in there i guess the other two members of his team yeah um i'm not going to or there's maybe uh two industry i'm not going to endanger my men it's probably just a trap you probably faked the muffled scream too uh so they burned the house down and let stood there guns pointing at the door of course they were in the backyard so whoever was in there left the opposite dir- the direction of the fire leaving the fresh meat the two poor saps to be burned alive by the hand of some dumbass player mm-hmm. who uh that is completely unwilling to take a risk so Every other mission they went on, I had to be extremely resourceful in order to get Mr. Camper to do anything. Not because he's lazy, but because he's afraid his character is getting in danger uh, in a role-playing game. He takes precautions to an extreme when it comes redundant. I didn't manage to get them trapped on a small island, forced to make their way through the subway tunnels, though, uh, where he got bit as they left. The, The process of contamination wasn't really clear, as some people turned and some people didn't. Boy, did he become paranoid, almost putting a gun into his mouth at some times. Although I'm proud, able to prod him along and use my power of the fictional settings to make things happen anyway, other players don't want to play with him as he slows the game down. I agree. Do you know any way of making a player who's over-precautious or even too metagamey to, well, play well? I've definitely given up on this douche as I'm no longer having fun, but in less extreme cases, what do you think could solve this problem in a player? Well, first off... I just love the logic of, well, the one guy who's a cop is has a gun and he's, he isn't giving it to me, so he's hoarding the guns. Yeah, I love. I just love that bizarre dream logic that this this player has. Yeah. That he, uh, yeah. Well, so. I don't know. I I would actually say probably at that point, if you've seen old Yeller, yeah. it might just be better to like get him the fuck out. No, I did talk to uh, Mr. Eternal Green, mm-hmm. and he did say that he basically gave up on this guy because it just he tried talking to him out of character, which is the first thing you should do, you know. Uh, hey, of, man, you know. Yeah. Uh, that didn't work, or he just didn't get the message. He tried in-game reinforcements. He tried pretty much everything you could imagine, too. I mean, out of character and in character, right. and it just didn't Eventually, work. Eventually, you do have to say, get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, not all players. There's this geek social balance. Not all players are meant to play together. Not everyone will mesh. So, 
Yeah, uh, but in less extreme cases, let's take the hypothetical. So how do you get someone who's too precautious? So I think one is that players tend to think that being reckless is going to get them punished. And so they take that to the extreme. So being you should do the opposite where being bold and being decisive rewards them. Where saying like there's a time limit or if a player's too cautious, he doesn't get the reward or something like that. Or yeah... Yeah, in the case of that hostage situation, actually make it obvious there's a hostage situation going on. Yeah, exactly. You know, let the player know for a fact that there's someone inside, and that if they don't do something, that that person will die. But if they they rescue the person, they'll have a new ally. So that's or or it's a kid. Yeah. Or there's weapons, there's or important information's in the building, so they need to. uh, I have actually learned as psychotic as player characters actually are. Yeah. Actually, a lot of them will actually will go through the effort to do something heroic. If you know, if you give them the opportunity, right? As kill crazy nutso as a lot of them are, I've 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 actually found even the most psycho player, yeah, given the chance to do something that makes him look good and it makes him heroic and have people say like, oh, thank you, you've you've done all I can. Please, I I have nothing to offer you but everything I own, which is this chicken. That's, you know, it's. They, they players like praise, yeah. Whether coming from you or a or an NPC, yeah. They like being big shots too. Mm-hmm. Like having, like in most games, the default. I think in gaming, there's this tendency to make all NPCs adversarial to make them challenge. Because usually, the typical NPC in a game is an enemy, someone mm-hmm. who wants to kill you, or, so, an, or just an antagonist. Yeah, well, not someone out to kill you, but. Who works against your interests? Who fights you? No, it, it, I, it, I think most NPCs are met through combat. And so most right. NPCs are... I mean, that's the default thing. I'm just saying. You're if you think about it, even in the New World campaign, most of them are... Well, probably in the New World, but I think overall... Well, especially... Come on, some of them are ten times the bigger than Lex Luthor, man. Yeah, t- yeah. Um, that, that's an aside. <laughs> New World campaign. Um, one of the players, Cody, was framed for assault by the slave trader Axcor. Cody then immediately exclaims, "This guy's a genius. He's he's 10 times Lex he's Luther Lex Luther times 10." You know, because he, he was framed for assault, which was like a 100 gold coin fine, fine. And, and an apology. Yeah, an apology and that was it. And I was like, "Ah, oh, how did he do that? That was incredible." I was like, "Game over, man." Yeah, there and it was all I could do to keep the players from just automatically like we're ignore the rest of the game. We must get this guy. <laughs> so this is like in the New World campaign, the players hired a lawyer, so a defense lawyer. Yeah. So I think that's their, well. But, it wasn't Cody wasn't framed. It was Jason who was framed. No, it was Cody who was framed. Was he paid it? Yeah, because he paid well, the he, fine. Well, he paid the fine, but I, wasn't it? It was a. Uh, it was Jason that threatened Axcore. Yeah, yeah. Jason kept like. Threatening the witnesses who came forward to back up Axcore's story. It's like, change your story right in front of the guards. It's like, <laughs> change your story. And the guards are like, uh, please stop like, trying please, to threaten like, the witnesses. Please, like, please stop tampering with the witnesses, yeah. sir. <laughs> uh, that was funny. That's, so we'll, funny. We'll have, that's session 11, I think. Uh, so we got a ways to go. But we'll, we'll have that up there. Um, but anyway, so I think the main thing is to reward players to get them out of their shell, basically. If they're being too cautious... Like, also punish them for being too cautious, like uh, NPC social reactions, uh, wasted resources, uh, things like that. I mean, if you if the player is so paranoid, just say, well, I'm going to give you a sleep disadvantage because you're, you're, you're playing a paranoid character, so I'm going to give you paranoia. 
as a mental yeah. disease. Or, uh, I mean, that's or, kind of. Or, a, or, I would or, prefer to reward players yeah, for or good lost behavior. opportunities. In general, though, I prefer to reward players for good behavior rather than punish for bad. Yeah, unless it's really bad, you know. So, um, I think that's the best thing is to take the player and reward boldness, bravery. You know, give them bonuses, not recklessness. Yeah, there's again, and this is some subjective. You have to use your judgment. Ah, back to the judgment. You have to use your judgment to determine what is reckless and what is bold and what is. Well, you can take decisive action, but be cautious about it. Yeah, you know, uh, like, you know, like so you could slowly advance into the house, meticulously, meticulously, right. you know, secure each room one by one. Right, right. And that's yeah, that's a very horror genre appropriate yeah, thing. You, you don't have to. You don't have to go in with two MP5s, one in each hand, right. kick the door in, and. But yeah, a player. There are some people who are just so risk adversive that if you give them an unknown situation, I think your players are like that. They don't like being in situations where they don't know what the outcome is going to be. Am I wrong, or is that? Eh, it it depends. Like if they were in, you know, if, if they were in Call of Cthulhu, they'd be afraid to open a door, right? Any door to pick up any book, even if it's like it's the encyclopedia, right? It's like, well, I could lose sanity. If well, I even this. if it, let's say it's mutants and masterminds, and you give them the exact same encounter where there's a house there's a muffled scream there's bodies on the floor in the front room actually no with that one because they'd probably have powers they'd feel con- you know confident okay and or a standard action game you know standard action game where they're playing like soldiers or cops or david something. wouldn't david right. would just david is kind of the uh like oh, oh, time time to go in what the like what the fuck are we waiting for okay so he's aaron just... aaron is actually i think he's cautious in the good way yeah you know, he would, you know, he, he's like, well, wait, what, what, what do we know about this place? You know, there's, right. you know, like we, we need to proceed slowly and, and actually David's more the Leroy Jenkins type, <laughs> but then, and, uh, but Aaron's not sitting back there for like 10 minutes. Like, all right, let's crunch some numbers. How we can, you know, how many they have in there. And, right. Right. But he, he exercises caution, which is good. Okay. Aaron yeah. actually, I'd say has grown over the years as a player. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, I think, so the big lesson is reward good behavior more than you punish bad behavior so reward frequently and punish occasionally yeah, occasionally well consistently but not as badly i mean try to emphasize good behavior um, but if someone if someone just totally fucks everything yeah up, but yeah you have to know when to draw the line so and then i think um uh, like okay like like, 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 like when i beat the woman to death in the tea shop yeah exactly. that was a fuck up yeah well that was entertaining though because no well, it was also entertaining but it's like dude well, we did have to stop for like five minutes, I think, yeah. at least. I it was just such a yeah over the top thing that once you got away, that it, but dude, everybody well, was on the edge of their seat, and that was very exciting and dramatic. Well, well, dude, that that excitement can actually you know overcome a boneheaded decision, right? Um, yeah, I mean, again, you you you, well, you were sort of getting a little too reckless, and that that was how I sort of brought. Well, you I paid back. for it, but my <laughs> the way I got out of it, yeah. was. Yeah, and once again, it's you're supposed to have fun. Yeah, and I think we definitely had fun at that moment. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think the judgments are over. So we have decreed that the camper is a horror. Although his logic is great, I love his logic. The cop is hoarding the guns. <laughs> yeah, I need the guns. Oh, there's a convenience store clerk. He's kind of freaked out because you have a knife in your hand. Well, okay, I I'll throw it in his, his face. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, okay. great. You killed him. All right. Fair enough. Good you're, job. You're an asshole, but whatever. Um, any last words, Tom, for this episode? I would have arrested him if I was the cop. 
I would have shot him. I would have said the other cops show up and shoot him down. Yeah, he would have been out of the game, make a new character. But it's a player, not the character. So Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, so this has been our PPR, episode 29. Time Good of judgment. God, we're almost to 30. Yes. Well, we've had many. We've probably got 60 hours of content by now, so. Whoa. I know, right? That's extreme. Um, so this is, uh, of course, Ross Payton here with Tom Church. Tom Church. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I was just saying both of them. All right. What the, what the hell is that look? <laughs> <laughs>